I'm Russ Boris, and this is 8-Track. Our guest today is Laura Jane Grace. She is the singer, writer, and guitarist in the punk band Against Me. She also released her first solo album late last year called Stay Alive, and, since we spoke in April, a surprise EP called At War with the Silverfish. Talking about music is a different story and challenge, but Laura came up with eight great songs for us with a theme. Happy to welcome Laura Jane Grace to the show. Hello. Hi. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. You know, we um, when we ask about eight particular songs, hoping that there's a thread or some kind of theme that runs through those, yours, Laura, is eight songs currently keeping me sane. And so what I was wondering is, is that what music has always been for you? Does it always provide that kind of comfort? I guess in general, I'm just... I, I'll be honest with you here, Russ. I'm really bad at this format of interview. And in particular with like thinking of songs in this way, I'm really bad at it because it's always like any kind of make a list scenarios when it comes to music. It does that same thing to me that happens when I walk into a record store where I'm like, I don't remember what I like anymore, you know? But that's part of the joy of going to a record store is I'll just start flipping through the records and I'll find something I like, right? Um, But thinking about music in this way of like intellectualizing it, like is contrary to what it actually is you're trying to do as a songwriter. Like I want to write a song that you hear and you like and you don't even know why. It just hits you, right? You know? Um, So that's like similar to how I listen to music. So I don't know, like with coming up with lists, it's always just like, I mean, I'm listening to music constantly. So I'm just kind of like reaching into what I'm listening to and, and picking out, uh, you know, songs to fit uh, the parameters of something to talk about, at least for the sake of doing an interview, you know? I, I think you did just fine. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. But I know what you're saying though. It is, it's the silliest question when somebody just says, oh, what, what music do you like? It's an impossible answer. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like, I like I like a lot of things. Or, it will, or more so just like uh, putting finites on it of like, what's your favorite band? Like, I can't answer that. But then at the same time, like, I have, like, tons of favorite bands. Like, I just like music, you know? And when it comes down to it, like, the answer to any question in in a format like this is, like, well, why'd you pick that song? It's like, well, because I like it. Yeah. Well, why do you like it? It's like, well, just because I do. I actually have, like, I'm flawless in picking songs for myself that I like. Everything I pick to listen to, I like. And if I don't want to listen to it anymore, it's probably because I've just listened to it too much and I need a break from it. But anyways, I'm happy to roll with this list and I'm, I'm ready to talk about everything I've chosen. I just like, I'm, I'm setting the scene here, you know, like of why I chose eight songs that are getting me through life right now. Because I, I mean, in general, yeah, you know, music, I mean, that's what I do. Like that's, of course, music gets me through life. I wake up, I think about music, I listen to music, I start writing music and um, jump right in, you know? And that's been every day as long as I can remember. This is the longest period of time since I started playing in bands when I was like 12 years old, since I haven't played a show, which blows my mind, it's crazy. It is a crazy time. <laughs> and now with that being said, why'd you pick Nova Cup? Because they were new to me. I'll say also, like, I wanted to put a focus on at least if it wasn't new to me, specifically like new artists, because everyone can't be out there touring right now. Like, there's no point in me being like, well, I chose London Calling because London Calling is a great song. And I can tell you about how that relates to me when I was 14 years old. Nova Cub, I'd never heard before. I came across them randomly. I think it was like even a TikTok video.
therapist named Luis Bartle. I know they're from the UK someplace and they play drums in Block Party and I love Block Party. Silent Alarm is like one of my all time favorite running records. Perfect running record. But Luis then, like, when I jumped into looking at who they are, they're an incredible musician, like multi-instrumentalist, uh, super creative approach to songwriting. And this is just a fun song. It makes you feel good. Nova Cub and Fantasies. Um, Laura, you mentioned there before, you know, not being able to tour and not being able to do things kind of the way you're used to doing. I mean, for the last, you know, couple of decades as a touring musician, uh, but you did manage to record a new record called Stay Alive. So what, what was that process like for you? Um, I guess it was really about staying motivated. It's crazy to me thinking that that was already a year ago. Um, pretty much exactly uh, when I put it all into motion because you know we we had started off the year thinking Against Me would make a record we were working in the studio we had headed out on a tour I got two shows into the tour everything hit had to come home and then you know just like everyone else I'm stunned sitting there thinking well, what am I doing you know and all of us in the band live in different states you know um, and it kind of became apparent we weren't going to be able to continue working for the time being uh, but I was still really motivated and you know had songs that I was working on and didn't want the songs to just go stale and sit there, you know, um, with this kind of being an indefinite situation. So realized that as long as I just shifted uh, the way I was thinking about it and took a different approach to working, I could still make a record. And um, that just meant like, you know, maybe making it more acoustic based and also recording here in Chicago, went into um, recorded Steve Albini, always wanted to record with him. So that was a really cool experience and made the best out of it. There's an interesting thing you bring up there in that, you know, I think what happens sometimes is, um, you know, artists make a record and then for one reason or another, that record sits, whether it's a label decision or there's just a timeline doesn't line up. So those songs might be in your mind or your experience, two, three years old, but then listeners hit it for the very first time, but you're already on to the next thing almost in your mindset. Totally, totally. I mean, even in perfect scenarios, there's usually a lag time of you finish something and then four to five months later, everyone hears it. And that's the worst period of time in an artist's life because you're in limbo. You're just waiting until you can really mentally move on to the next thing. And I forget who even I, I think I heard put it this way. I want to say it was like Steven Tyler from Aerosmith, but they were like talking about songs being like something you're baking in the oven and like you can over bake them. You can dry them out, you know, like and when they're done, they're done. You need to take them out. So there comes a time like where I, I'll get like 30 songs in my head and I have to dump some of them in order to write more songs. So, yeah. So some of them do get overbaked. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, as an artist, you're trying to like tap into a zeitgeist always, right? You know, so you want like these moments of kismet to arrive in your songs or to feel like they're tapping into something that you don't understand, um, whether that's like on a greater like uh, worldwide level or even on a personal level, like if they're resonating, they're resonating and you just got to recognize that. And I don't know, really, when it comes down to it, it's like it's music. There's no wrong way to do it, you know? Um, I can relate that to one of the songs later in the in the set of stuff we're talking about, but I'll save it for it. So yeah. All right. Just in title alone, you had me on this one, Anthem for Doomed Youth. <laughs> you want to talk about this one? I love this. Okay, so Rudimentary Peanut, they're like one of the original 70s English peace punk bands, classic peace punk bands. Oh, 
of all those bands like Crass, Omega Tribe, Poison Girls, Zounds, The Mob, like for some reason they have the greatest air of mystery around them. They're still one of those bands that like, they existed way before, you know, social media, never made MTV videos. They weren't a band that ever did press shots. You can't find pictures of these people. They have that like ultimate mystique and allure. And then the singer was this person named Nick Blinko. backstory is something about like him ending up in a mental asylum. He did all the band's artwork and then also wrote a book called The Primal Screamer. And you can see like some of that artwork. It's like fantastically detailed, just like really precise. But anyways, um, I know they only probably ever played a handful of shows back in the day, but they just came out of nowhere this year with a single of like two songs. And the best part is that they sound completely unupdated. They sound exactly like they sounded in the 70s, like nothing has changed. And um, that's really satisfying to me. I love it. This is 8-Track with Laura Jane Grace. Mikan's Hello Cruel World, that is a grossly underrated band. I was saying in the chat, I like feel angry with everyone that no one told me about the Mikans before. They've been a band since like the 70s. Hello. still a band they're fantastic the the record that song's off of is just so solid but i only discovered them this year probably like a recommended songs even it took spotify i didn't no friend of mine said hey you should listen to the mecons it was spotify i was actually going to ask that how does that normally work for you in terms of the discovery um, I do a real good spread, you know, like I don't like Spotify at the same time I have Spotify and I listen to Spotify. I mainly make playlists for going running. Uh, but you know, you can see some of my vinyl behind me. Uh, I collect vinyl, I collect cassettes. Uh, and then also, you know, lately, especially this past year, what's been nice is I've been able to subscribe to zines again. And I genuinely enjoy looking through old like punk zines and reading the reviews and looking at the advertisements and just looking up a band based on, oh, that's cool artwork. Cause that's how I used to discover it. And I'll do that too in a record store. Like I'll always get one or two things that I already know and want and in my collection. And then I'll just pick something at random that looks cool. It's such a different way to approach things when you can just click on anything and take a listen and you're, you know, 15, 20 seconds, you kind of figure out if you want to keep listening or not, as opposed to being, you know, physically in the store where you just flip through, you know, that stack and then just get one because the album cover looked cool. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, there are genuinely some, uh, there's some songs that do take a couple listens for them to fully open up to you, you know, that I think that can be lost if you're listening to it on, on Spotify or something like that you know like up uh, next next because sometimes context is different and there's something about the tactile experience to me and about the album experience too um that's just how i'm built i think it's really important though because what happens is when you're, you're listening to something by way of the stream you know you could just keep clicking putting on the record 
forces you to listen to everything and it slows everything down. And I think there's a lot of value in that. A hundred percent. So we've got another couple of songs here and I thought it was really interesting. We take kind of a turn and focus on, you know, more of a songwriter and somebody else who I think that maybe doesn't get quite as much due. And that is Greg Dooley of the Afghan Wigs. Yeah. And I love, love, love the Afghan Wigs. Um, this is, it's a song off the newest Greg Dooley record or whatever it came out this last year. I was so happy to see that he put out a record in general and he just can't do wrong with me, really. He, he, you know, I'll, I'll listen to the backbeat soundtrack that he did for that Beatles movie back in the 90s and I love it, you know? There's something about, um, you know, the way that Dooley has always taken the rock edge of things, but have such a deep appreciation for R&B and soul music and find ways to incorporate into his writing. No, I, I, I wish I could have chosen it actually for this, but there's only a YouTube live recording of it. One of his most beautiful performances, he does a cover of Leonard Cohen's Paper Thin Hotel. It's just like him on a piano and it's so haunting. Yeah, I just can't recommend it enough. Definitely check it out. All right, well, this one is Lockless. It's Greg Dooley. This is a track from WFUV. Oh, thinking about all the younger years. There was only you and me. You were young and wild and free. Where do we even begin with this cover? Now nothing can take you away from me. Brady Carlisle doing Brian Adams Heaven. First of all, it's flawless and completely turns the song upside down because you think. That guy wrote cuts like a knife, but this is just so much better. Baby, you're all that I want when you're lying here in my heart. Finding it hard to believe we're in heaven. Your love is all that I need, and I found it there in your heart. softness, the ache in it, it's so beautiful. Yeah, I, you know, this is what I was going to kind of point to when we were talking earlier or whatever. Like, it gives me such faith because it's so much better than the original. And I didn't really understand how good of a song the original was until I heard this cover. And as a songwriter, it gives me faith in thinking like, you know, I like to think I've written some really good songs. Maybe I haven't like nailed the recordings yet. And that's why I've never had like a number one hit single or something. But maybe eventually someone else could come along and take one of my songs and turn it into something like that, you know? So yeah, it gives me faith in that way. But in general, I think with, you know, all these songs that I'm picking out, I'm kind of like one extreme or the other emotionally. I need to listen to something that's like absolutely pummeling or something that is actually absolutely like stabbing a knife through my heart. I've been waiting for so long 
something to write. Love to come along. Like, I, I can't take a middle ground musically at the moment. So there's never walking on sunshine on your playlist, is what you're saying? <laughs> um, I, well, I don't know. Maybe that's like the high of the manic episode that this all feels like. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. It's all of these. It, it's emotional. That's, but, but that's music, though. And that, that was, you know, we've kind of closed the circle in a way as, you know, that's really what we're talking about. So I, I love that you had these choices. So if you hear somebody like Dooley or you hear somebody like Brandy, does that make you look at your writing differently? Does that make you approach how you construct song differently? You know, with the two of them in particular, I look at them differently, specifically in that I look at Dooley and I'm like, wow, I can look at his body of work, listen to the Afghan Wigs records, like all the solo stuff, different projects he's been in and see the progression of him as an artist, which I find really inspiring, you know, to know you can take on different shapes, forms and like have different sounds. You know, that that was obviously really programmed drums and he's known for having played in a rock band, you know. Um, and then I look at someone like Brandy Carlisle and like their songwriting, like, you know, The Firewatcher's Daughter, I think is a perfect record. And so many times I've looked at songs off of that and basically like taking crib notes of like do something like that you know like that beats cool try that <laughs> you know i wanted to go back just a few years you know brandy just recently released a book and, and you had done your autobiography back in 2016 how important was it at that time for you to, to put that out to tell your story to to have that truth be told it was really a, a liberating and a humbling experience in a lot of ways. And I felt like that I was carrying weight with me that I was able to drop once I finished. If even the physical weight of the journals that I based the book off of that, as I say at the end of the book, like I burned them, you know, I had a, a journal burning party, which is a very therapeutic experience. Uh, so even for that alone of just being able to dump a bunch of old journals, you know, dropping some weight felt good. It almost seems like even if nobody read it, it still had value to you. Yeah. You know, the process of, of taking a look at your life that honestly, and especially it being a collaborative process of writing with Dan Ozzie, who, who helped me with the book, um, you know, there was no like hiding behind anything. It was just like, oh, that's it. That's the way it happened. There it is, you know, um, for better or worse, warts and all, you know. So I don't know, you should do that every once in a while in life. You should look at where you're at, check in with yourself and see if there's any anything you need to crack, you know? Right, and it's either if you're gonna have the songs that pummel you or the songs that turned you into a puddle. <laughs> I think we're going back to the first though in this next couple of songs. Yes. <laughs> All right, tell me a little bit about The Stools and Half Track Mine. Again, okay, so I know nothing about this band other than I read about them in a review in Razor Cake magazine. And they really remind me of this. Okay, so back when I was like 14, 15 years old, I got this compilation punk record called We Are All Guilty. And it's uh, 23 bands from the Northwest punk rock compilation. All these bands like Chicken, uh, Mass Control, Positively Negative, Bristle, Inhumane, Positive Greed, uh, probably a lot of bands that's only recording is on this, but there's a band called North American Bison on here that's their song I loved. And this song really reminds me of the singer's voice, at least of North American Bison. But in general, in that way, it's a punk song. It's a really simple punk song. And it like 
calms something that like needed calming in a similar way when I was 14 or 15 years old and I was an angry punk rock kid. That's similar to the kind of anxiety that this plague year has given me. I need that kind of 14 year old. Like, I feel like I need to stand outside of a supermarket with a 12 pack of soda, shake them up and just throw them against the brick wall and watch them explode to have something like, ah, you know, like that happen. <laughs> This is 8-Track with Laura Jane Grace. Slant and stagnation, the stools, and half-track mine on 8-Track. Eight songs that are keeping Laura Jane Grace sane these days. And these first seven have... uh, have been pretty fun and pretty varied and uh, at times uh, definitely pummeling. So I'm digging that. Uh, let me ask you, have you have you played any South Korean punk bands on, on your radio station before? No, I cannot say that I have. Okay, well then that was the first South Korean punk band you have played on your radio station. That is a gift you have given. <laughs> That's my vote for record of the year. That slant record is so good. I saw a video of them playing somewhere and I just wanted to be in the room so bad. It was like no stage, just a bunch of kids, like bodies pressed all over each other, sweaty, spitting all over each other, just like so messy. And I miss that. I don't want to be sitting on my couch watching Netflix. I want to be meeting punks in South Korea and going to shows. You know, now that you're down, you know, that particular rabbit hole, Tell me about the worst gig that you ever played and how much you probably wish you were playing it now. Worst gig? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Like, I saw someone actually in the chat mention Warp Tour, you know? And not to say that Warp Tour as a whole is the worst gig we've ever had, but there were some sets on Warp Tour that were brutal, you know, like playing at 10.30 in the morning in San Francisco. That's not fun, especially with a hangover, and that's the way they'd do it. They'd punish you with an early set if they knew you were gonna be hungover and they saw you out drinking the night before. Um, but those moments like that, for sure, yeah, you know, like I would kill to do that. Like the running joke with the band for a while was always like, how much money would you have to be paid to do Warp Tour again in a van? And it was always like extreme amounts of money, you know, Um, because that's like fairly miserable. Don't get me wrong. The shows are great, but the driving, you're hot, you're sweaty, you're dirty the whole time. Uh, But that's flipped to like the it's the amount of money now I would pay to do that experience. Like I I miss it. I, I totally miss it. Doesn't that help bond, you know, you as a band and and with your bandmates just you know to go through that experience together because it's not a singular experience? Yeah, well, yes, it does when it is a one-time deal, but you know, your fourth summer on the warp tour and you're like, what are we doing here? You know, we're all in our thirties and we have kids. Like <laughs> Okay, warp tour not for those in thirties and with children. It's a good tip. <laughs> All right. Well, Laura, this has been a blast. Thank you so much for being our guest on 8-Track today. My pleasure. Um, this one, I think, is, you know, kind of speaks to where you're, you're talking about right now, because this particular band is one of those bands that you absolutely should see live. And that is the UK band Shame. So good. So good. This song, like, is so immediate. No,
kind of reminds me of that band Idols that is getting a lot of talk around them right now. And I like Idols. They remind me of my friends in this band Future the Left, who are fantastic, and also this band McCluskey. But this band Shame, this song, this is like my get up in the morning, put it on, hit the street running, and just like I'm in a movie. How great is it to end the show with Are You Ready to Feel Good? That's Shame and Alphabet, with thanks to guest DJ Laura Jane Grace. Next time, I'll be talking with the fellow music and radio nerd, World Cafe host Raina Duris. A track is engineered by Jim O'Hara and produced by Sarah Wardrop. Subscribe, listen, and learn more at 8trackpod.com. I'm Russ Boris for WFUV in New York.